heaven I'm going mad. How strange girl you are. Yeah, this is Anna and Allison. Allison, that's me. It's Can my name. you uh, tell us a little bit about Zoli Vera? You jump right into it like you want to sell shit. Look at you. Oh, is is that not what we're doing here? <laughs> no, we can do it here. So, um, well, I live in Maine. Anna lives in California. Yeah. We're very far away from each other. Um, she's 3,000 miles away from me, to be exact. Is that exact? It's about that, right? It's pretty exact. Pretty far. She's pretty far. Um, but with technology, we're just close as could be. We're two peas in a pod, best friends. Yes. <laughs> She's shaking her head at me, but it's okay. Yeah. She thinks I she like her, but I don't know. She knows it's true. She's on the fence, but you know. It all started when, when, because I opened a store, which now is not open, but I opened a store and I was looking on Etsy and I found this girl's stuff. And it was really cool because she makes awesome Victorian-inspired toiletries. She um, sounds wonderful. Yeah, she she was cool. So I ordered some of this girl's stuff. We became friends, and mm-hmm. here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was talking about me, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, I was talking about Allison. So Anna was a client turned friend. Yeah. We immediately... Cl- well, I when she ordered soap products from me i um looked up her store and got really excited because you had all these graphics that i loved and it was really similar to stuff i did except you weren't ripping me off because it was perfume not so yeah so, so it was we a close call friends it we was. almost it, hated each other but then we could have yeah. Yeah, if you we were a bitch, i probably would have hated you yeah yeah okay should i not well, swear since we're representing our companies no it's okay it's a small business all the swearing it's just we're just sorry we this is an 18 ourselves. and over podcast no it's not i want the kids to hear it <laughs> not suitable for work okay. just warning it's not nsfw yeah. um yeah so we were um we talked very professionally for maybe a week <clears throat> yeah and then and then it was like we found out weird stuff about each other like we were both in labor for 32 hours and that's right we had little girls that were about five days apart and we're both makeup artists and we both have companies that are super similar and um yeah yeah so that was cool thanks for being my friend oh and then we also found out we have an interest in strange and beautiful things yeah and that's uh that's the name of this podcast, doesn't it? Oh, you didn't even realize. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I always, I, I just personally love a lot of weird trivia type things. And I've always want like, you know, a lot of people have useless knowledge. Well, I have that, but all vintage stuff. Yeah, you do. You know, so I feel like I need an outlet for that because I tell people and they really don't care. Right. So... But then usually but I you care. care. I care. You care. And you know what? Sometimes so, people care. Yeah. People out there might care. Whoever's going to listen to this probably cares. Sure. Sharing the so, knowledge. Yeah. Sharing it all. So why don't you uh, why don't you start this this edition one of Beautiful Strange with <gasps> your first fresh. topic? So fresh and so clean. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about some... <clears throat> I'm going to... 
clear my throat. And then we're going to talk about some topics. So basically, we'll have a few little stories in each episode that we have researched a little bit that have piqued our interests that we want to share with you. And we'll just talk about it because we're friends and we like to talk about things. So that's what we're here to do. Yeah. We hope you like us. You might not. You still listen if you don't like us. You might like what we're talking about. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have some things I'd like to talk to you about. So the first one actually is um, on Facebook, you know how you can have a cover photo? Yeah. I have one of those. Do you have one of those? Mine oh. is... You don't? No, yeah. I was saying, oh. I didn't even oh, know you, you were going to no. draw. I didn't know you were going to draw like, you know, segue from, from that. That was a good little segue. I see where you're going with this. Well, do you know what my cover photo is? Uh, For is, ZV is, or for your personal? No, for me. Okay, yeah. Okay. I know. I can. Th- I see it in my mind, but I actually don't know what it is. So that's cool that you're going to explain that. That's a really cool image. And it is called the Beauty Micrometer. And oh. it's also known as the Beauty Calibrator. So Max Factor mm-hmm. in the 30s. Well, he actually died in 1938, but he, Max Factor Sr., um, basically it was, he invented a company, invented, founded, he founded a company where um, they really focused on film makeup. And not a lot of people mm-hmm. did that back then because... yeah. There was Technicolor and all these different ways. I mean, still in film today, it's it's a very specific way that you do makeup, which as a makeup artist, I'm sure you have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, you know, color was just really funky. It came out in a very funky way. So you had to do makeup. Re- like today there's HD, but, you know, you can see everything. Mm-hmm. But back then, the color was always off. So film makeup artistry was weird, and they had the grease paint. <clears throat> do you know what grease paint is? Like no. Really like really or like pan stick foundation yeah yeah okay it was just really heavy cruddy stuff that they had to use, yeah which is why cold cream exists actually like cake like cake like chrome cake and like yeah what okay never mind (laughs) i think it's a i think i'm referencing a a major retailer type product which i won't mention don't mention the retailer we don't want to name names yeah um make it sued they, they make something with the word like chrome and it's about like super heavy duty paint makeup but yeah oh i i know the brand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um so well i can explain that actually so um pancake well i actually don't know fully but there's like pancake makeup pan stick makeup and i think that's the same as grease paint so way back when in I think it was Max Factor that actually started it. Um, but grease paint was used, and that was basically um, pancake foundation and mascara, mm-hmm. which another major retailer makes nowadays. Yeah. We have their lipstick. Um, <laughs> it's the only company I know that makes it. But they it was basically powder because it was very yeah. easy for them to make, and then you would just mix either cream or water, water with it yeah, so that you could put it on your face. And you could make it very thick if you wanted to. So it was great for movies because you needed a lot of coverage, a lot of pigmentation, all mm. of that stuff. So he was really the guy that all of it came about because of him. Because his company focused on film makeup and made that possible. So they also invented a thing called the beauty micrometer. And it was scary as shit. <laughs> it looked really, really weird. So it was described. This, yeah, this explains your photo. It does look super yes. creepy. 
And we yeah. will, so on our website, you guys, we have, we'll have a blog and we'll make posts for each episode so that you can see what we're talking about. Because we might occasionally share videos and photos and yeah. not know what we're talking about. So if, if, you know, you want to know, just go to our website and go to the blog and you'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so or on yeah, Instagram. Was, or on Instagram. You can find us wherever you want to find us. We'll be there. Yeah. We're not shy. I'm a little shy. Anyway. <laughs> You never know. No. You know what? I won't be shy anymore. Yeah, you never Don't be know. shy. Don't judge a book by its cover. Um, so, Anna, it yeah. was described as a clockwork orange style device. Have you seen Clockwork Orange? Read the book? Uh, yeah. You familiar? I have. Do you remember when I got LASIK surgery? Yeah. And I sent you that picture from a clockwork yeah. orange because I was fucking I terrified because they had to put eye clamps on me. Yeah. Um, that's what this device was described as because it's kind of reminiscent of that. So if you guys have seen Clockwork Orange, you probably know what I mean. It's a good um, descriptive way of explaining it for sure, because I th- yeah. think listeners would probably identify with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was. It was also compared to Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you can see that. Yeah. Um, and then it was also in Modern Mechanics magazine in 1935. It was described as a contraption that looks like an instrument of torture. Um, so what did this do? So basically, their idea was. Um, so when you see people's faces in person, their imperfections, nah, it's okay. You can get over them. Nothing yeah. too, you know, crooked nose, whatever. But their idea was on film, those things are really prevalent. Like you can yeah. really pick up on them. Yeah. And they'll screw up a whole scene if your face isn't perfect. So people are doing really strange things like, um, ooh, now I don't remember. It's either Martha Graham or Gloria Graham. I think it's called... She's called Gloria Graham. She would put um, tissue under her lip to make her lips mm. look bigger. Mm-hmm. And in between scenes, she would have to like take out this nasty tissue yeah. because she like would I've have make out scenes with people and she would yeah. have to take it out because it would get all sloppy gross. But she would do that because the studios would say, you know, you need a yeah. plumpier pout. You need to be perfect. So yeah. it's in the same realm of, you know, that which today it's not much better but yeah that's what's ironic about that actually because you hear so much about how the media is selling a false image of people but really Mm -hmm. i mean that's was this the thing at the conception of hollywood i mean it was never really any different Mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's so i mean this device was basically to measure your face and all these really intricate ways so it was actually get my notes here um so it had these flexible metal strips all over it you put it right on your face real close up there are pictures you can see and it looks like you'd probably have claustrophobia in there because it's a little there's just metal all all over your face yeah and there's screws that hold in all these strips so it's that's i think the hellraiser thing because it just looks like it's full of nails and stuff and it can make up to 325 adjustments on your face and come within the precision of one thousandth of an inch i don't even know what that means but it was very close now are we talking about like a literal permanent like cosmetic surgery are we talking about like oh no this is it was a device to measure your face so they could see what was wrong with your face as intricately as possible so you're saying like fix it with makeup for symmetry basically for symmetry yeah to see so you know like today we have contouring, we have highlighting. It was basically a device that was used so that you could see exactly where you need to contour and highlight. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't, so 
they wanted to use it for the film industry primarily and then they wanted to basically to put it in salons all over the world That's thinking crazy. women would flock to this and oh i can figure out my imperfections Did. and correct them so easily did it not take off? Like It didn't take off. And I think that's why people don't really know about it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's... it. I think, when was the last one made? They finished making it in 1932. And then um, it just kind of phased out. Max Factor Sr. died in 1938. Which I actually, I wrote down how he died because it was so interesting. Oh, really? Let me just tell you. You have to quick. share that. That's a must. So his, yeah, I found this out and I was like, I have to tell Anna, which is why we have this podcast because yeah. shit all the time. It's just, just really an you. excuse for us to talk to each other. Cause of death, illness after fright. What? What? what mean? So, so a heart attack? I mean. Well, no, he just, he was, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should do a whole, whoops, sorry. Maybe we should do a whole <laughs> podcast about that. I had to get professional. Enough That's to actually, I've never like once heard someone dying of fright. I mean, I know. I was like, what? Illness what after fright? About? So let me read you. I wrote down Maybe this. Maybe he had paragraph. a stroke. Maybe, but it, wouldn't it say that? It didn't say that. Yeah. So it said he was in 1938 traveling in Europe on business with his son Davis. When a stopover in Paris, he received a note demanding money in exchange for his life. What? An attempt was made by the police using a decoy to capture the extortionist, but no one turned up at the agreed drop-off point to collect the money. Factor was so shaken by the threat that he returned to the behest. I love that word, behest. Behest. Of a local doctor in America, where upon arrival, he took to his bed and later died. What? And later died? Come on. That's creepy so, and interesting, yeah. but isn't that we'll weird? never really so, know, huh? Yeah. So anywho, it's, that part's not about the micrometer, but maybe that's why it was phased out around that time, because it was... It was finished in 1932, and then they started marketing the crap out of it, and then he died shortly after. Like, there are pictures of him using it on famous actresses in 1935 that were used in... They tried to put it in a lot of science magazines to basically tell women, like, scientifically, we can make you beautiful. Like, yeah. forget about all these creams. Like, we can That's actually cool. fix what's wrong with your face. Yeah. So I want to get a hold of one of these. Lot. Well, there's only one left in the whole world, Anna. And really? It is at, it's near you, actually. It's it? in the Hollywood Entertainment Museum. We should oh, go on a field trip. We should go there. For business, we have to do it. Yeah. We'll write it off. Yeah. Um, it we also it it. went up for auction in 2009, falling oh. significantly short of the, the $10,000 to $20,000 estimate. So nobody even wanted it. Wow. But I, I want love, it. If I had 10 Gs laying around, too. I would buy it. If I was swimming in dough, I would. that would be one of the things I would like to have. 10 Gs. <laughs> 10 g's if you have 10 g's laying around that's i mean regardless we're going to that museum yeah so um no i love that whole story though because it was basically like not to be sexist or anything but a man created a device that was its goal was to show women their imperfections and yeah. women were just like no like, fuck you we don't need that <laughs> So they really were good for them, like, though. Shove it, Satan. We don't want you. Yeah. So and it probably doesn't really work, right? I mean. And not not to impugn his work. He did amazing work, but that was just a throwaway device, and it looked creepy as hell. You know, all those yeah. amazing, like they had dimple makers and all these weird devices God. that, of course, we will cover in this podcast. But they really, but that one in particular, I love because it's just so cumbersome and big and tortury looking. Yeah. And on top of it, it's not really doing a great thing. It's showing. I mean, it how is. their faces are 
quote unquote it, screwed up and it's pretty demeaning them. it's pretty demeaning demoralizing it, yeah. it's supposed to be like a makeup artist tool can you imagine as like going to yeah. mac or something as makeup artist and just uh <laughs> hey let me stick this on your head we'll figure out if your nose is slightly that's the thing is it's so intricate in its measurement that even if you have a slight anything it'll yeah. show up on this device and you'll feel like oh my god i didn't even know that yeah, you know? I would be screwed. So it's shit. It's just, yeah. We'd all we'd all be screwed, and we'd all have really poor self esteem after using that. I think so. That um, That's made me cool. really sad. That story. Yeah, but now you know what my cover photo is. That was a good. Um, that was a good first topic to cover. I think. I've I've been wanting to talk about that for a long time. Well, because people ask me what that picture is, they just think it's like some weird picture I found. I'm like, oh no no no, here's the story. I was like, is that like an optometry thing? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a confusing. But I'd never device. really thought to ask you because I just knew you were a little weird and strange and <laughs> cool, and I was like, it's you know, just seem normal. But it's strange and beautiful, is it not? It is. It's relating to the beauty industry, and it's strange as fuck. That's right. Yeah. But that's a lot of what I mean. We've kind of gone over what we want to talk about. We have some topics that we want to cover in this podcast, but a lot of it is just going to be sort of historical and to do with beauty in some context just weird beauty trivia yeah. vintage whatever oh, go to our website we'll talk about it yeah <laughs> i don't know but just your friends having a chat what um, else you got well i've got one more thing anna do you want to know i want to know do you really want to know i really really want to know um <laughs> my next topic anna is theta Barra. do you know who that is i i can't say that i readily know off the top of my head but i'm sure this is going to be good it's gonna be so good um she well first of all you'd have a huge crush on her i don't know i mean people still today i'm sure do so i the reason i was thinking of her lately is because um she's a beauty icon from the 20s and even earlier actually her career started in 1915 but i got viv my daughter viv um a book at the library recently about a really fancy cat (laughs) Oh. And it was about this cat that lived in a mansion, and there's one page in the book. I forgot what the book is called. But there's one page in the book where the fancy cat's watching TV with its fancy family, and it's all illustration, and then it just has Theta Barra on the TV, like an actual picture Aww. of her. And so Viv, my little two-year-old, was asking, who's that, Mommy? Yeah. And I got to be like, oh, it's Theta Barra. And then I was Googling pictures of her and showing her, so... It reminded me of how cool this woman was. Um, So the picture in the book was from Cleopatra, which I think she's most widely known for, which was in, um, when was that? 1918, I think, something like that. But her, um, oh, 1917, sorry. So she was basically known as the original vamp. Like, she was kind of the first... Like, Clara Bow was kind of gothy, and everybody back then... They were like the noir film... Mm-hmm. stars right i mean that was pretty vampy yeah well yeah but she she was like the ultra vamp she really? was the first sort of gothy girl i'm telling you you'd love this girl She's but amazing. why was she so goth in comparison well let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> i i just happen to know um <laughs> well so she she was really unusual and the thing i love about her is she was a jewish girl from ohio And the studios made up crazy stories about her to make her into something she wasn't. Oh, okay. And I just think it's so interesting. So, she's a Jewish girl from Ohio, 
She didn't get famous until she was 30 years old, which... Oh, wow. I've only really heard about, like, Mae West, I think, was 40 when she was discovered and had really? a break and all that. Did you know that? Yeah. No. I believe she was But my grandmother looks or, like her. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right. I need to see some grandmother photos. Put it on the blog. Share. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We want to see yeah. that girl. Um, so, yeah. So, she... Which is... It's very unusual back then. You know? Especially, we just talked about the beauty calibrator and finding yeah. everything that's wrong with you. Well, being old, being 30 back then... Not cool. Not so cool. So she got famous as a sex symbol when she was 30. And mm. that was in 1915 in a movie called Siren of Hell. Whoa. And then that was... Uh, don't see you love her already. Yeah. And so from that point onward, it was such a big break that she was in 33 movies between 1915 and 1918. Can you wow. imagine being in that many movies? That's incredible. Counting on my fingers three or four years. I mean, she probably yeah. does worked all the time i mean she probably yeah. just worked her little tail off and it was a very cute tail <laughs> <laughs> very cute so she so yeah so jewish kid from ohio the studio said she was born in the shadows of the pyramids and trained Whoa. in paris with sarah bernhardt do you know who sarah bernhardt is yeah. a little bit she was she was really oh. famous as well she was probably one of the most famous um early career entertainment ladies um i first heard about sarah bernhardt from you know i'm obsessed with moulin rouge the movie uh-huh have you seen it of course okay there's a scene very quickly where nicole kidman is putting on her red corset uh-huh. and what is she she says something like oh i want to be like the great sarah and looks back at a photo oh. and it's of sarah bernhardt okay and i was like who sarah what and yeah. so I, I remember looking it up and finding out a lot of things about her there should be an episode about her she's wonderful yeah. Yeah. but anywho they said that um Thetabara trained with um sarah bernhardt to make her sound really cool mm-hmm. that wasn't true so um they also said throughout her career she was egyptian middle eastern a french woman um <laughs> they said she was the daughter of an arab sheik and a french woman born in the sahara she's <laughs> jewish kid from ohio yeah it's, it's just cool so i like yeah. her story because it's That's so awesome. um uh like, fabricated and like it's so fabricated and they also said she had dabblings in the occult like they just really built oh up yeah this whole i love that because yeah because she looked so exotic and she would also do the like heavy eye coal thing especially after she oh, yeah. appeared in cleopatra of course and so she got i guess over a thousand marriage proposals people named sandwiches perfumes after her oh, okay. um and named their children after her it was like she was big news and oh. no no one was like her she was so gorgeous so i, I can't wait to look that up like i want to see a ton of pictures yeah she oh she also in 1930 they put that in yeah her so she had she was also known for being a little skanky looking really but like but but good like she wore pasties and stuff in films uh-huh. And can you imagine back in like 1915? Can't really do that. So yeah. she, in 1930, there was a production code and her costumes were banned. Oh. Because bosses tried to regulate her films from becoming too racy or too inappropriate for mass audiences. And that meant no pasties for Theodabara. Go girl. Um, Go girl. I know. And she, I was trying to look up more about her because I guess her voice has only been recorded once or twice. Because she only did silent film. So her career ended in 1926, and she died, I think, in her 50s. 
and no talkies, just silent films. How no did talkies. she die? Um, stomach cancer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't read too much about because it just made me sad because I just want her to live on forever yeah. <laughs> in my brain. But it did, yeah, it made me a little sad. But I yeah. love, I, I wanted to pick two stories kind of primarily yeah. about how um, beauty is just shaped by someone's idea of beauty instead of what it actually is. Because people, you know, it's subjective. It's such a subjective, yeah. it's the subjective and thing. And she's, you know, mm-hmm. one of the more controversial icons mm-hmm. of beauty, I guess you could say. I mean. Yeah. No, she was kind of the first, I think she was the first on-screen person to make men and women say, wow, that's beautiful, and I want and, that. And, and it's, it's different. Not, and it's different, right. Yeah. It kind of yeah. opened people's minds to, like, it's not just the norm of what you'd see on yeah. the screen. And they were actually receptive to it. So obviously the studios played that up, but it's I think that was a perfect selection. Well done. Thank you. I just really like her, and I like talking about people I like. Maybe we'll do an episode about you. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're so lucky. I've known her for many years as a most charming and gracious lady, and I want you to meet her now, Miss Theta Barrett. Thank you, Woody. Our Hollywood entertainment has certainly developed amazingly since I was making pictures. Yes, everything's different now. As you and I know, before our pictures grew up and started to talk, we had to translate all emotion into pantomime. Oh, you may think you have trouble today, but do you remember the difficulties we had working with a split screen? We had to express jealousy, hate, love, or devotion, all in pantomime. And at the same time, keep pace as the director guided us with a one, two... Three, four, just as a metronome guides a pianist. Is this where I start talking about my topics? If you want, if there's something you'd rather be doing, you can go do no, it. No, I want to tell, you know, I want to tell. You having fun? Yes. Having fun? Um, the first topic, I mean, I guess this is a topic that's close to me, um, considering <laughs> what I what I do. And I thought that this was appropriate. Um, for the first did we tell people episode. what you do? We did, right? Oh, we we didn't tell people what I do. What do um, you do? I'm a perfumer, um, and my company is called The Parlor Co. Um, and I make handmade Victorian-inspired perfume. So I guess you can it's see really why Zolia Vera and The Parlor Co. are kind of hand-in-hand. Hand. But um, We just did a giveaway together, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not trying to pimp that because the giveaway is closed now. There's a winner, but yeah, but we do winner, stuff like I'm that. shipping your stuff tomorrow, actually. Yeah. If you're listening. I just, I just dropped a cup. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> maybe she's uh, listening. Maybe she's she great. Is. She's got good bangs. Yeah. I remember excellent. that about our winner. Yeah. Excellent bangs, winner. But um, yeah, your perfume is amazing. Go on, please. Oh, so I think I'm going to I'm going to just jump in with a few facts about my topic cuz they're kind of strange and interesting. But I'm covering the history of perfume. Um Yeah, and it, you know, it's strange in that I'm going to share some some interesting facts and tell you a little bit about the origins. But um What do you well, like about making perfume? Are you one of those people that just has a perfume nose? I do. I really can actually to, okay. just design perfume by scent, which is actually mm-hmm. Um, not something everyone can do, but, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of just go with my whim and, you know, it's, you know, it's all about trial and error, but, um, oh my goodness. You've got good instincts. Anna sent me a sample kit once and it was one of the best days of my life. (laughs) It was just like, 
Yeah. 20 little vials. And they, so, were, they all had the best names. <laughs> yeah. One of them's named Harlot after we had a conversation about Harlot. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I name <laughs> them I'm after people. One. And I named yeah. one after Allison. Um, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, the <laughs> beginnings of perfume kind of is strange. Um, I, th- I find this to be really interesting. Um, now, I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly or not, but ambergris um, mm-hmm. is one of the most valuable raw material- materials in perfume. Um, and its scent is described as something that's sort of oceany, sweet, um, and it can add a lot of depth to a fragrance. But the funny thing about this is that it's produced in the intestines of sperm whales. <laughs> I am so glad you're taking this approach because so many yeah. people don't understand where perfume comes from. Yeah. And what those um, smells are and the pheromones yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, go um, on. I'm so excited. So it's basically like whale vomit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like today we don't really use the um, original you know versions of these scents um they're like been synthetically reproduced mm-hmm. um but you know the beginnings of perfume actually like i don't even know like to think like how they even like procured like whale vomit but i mean i guess if they were like harpooning whales they were digging into their stomachs or something but um that is like who thought to do that who went that's gonna smell great yeah <laughs> let's I, bottle that yeah um that's interesting and you know something similar to that though is in a lot of beauty products they'll use like the secretions of uh gosh what is it i want to say it's it's some sort of like marsupial and they like use it's like anal gland secretions for for not only scent but for mm-hmm. flavor like in vanilla extract yeah. um mm-hmm. yeah have you heard that one before oh gosh it's there's a name for it um, they have i mean even in mascara there's yeah. bat bat secretion yeah. components. And yeah. so people often think that um, organic is better. But sometimes when you buy organic, that's what it means. Yeah. Because it's not synthetic stuff. It's, it's from nature. So just think about that, guys. Yeah. 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 Um, no, it's, and, and in perfume, I've heard that for a very long time that it's um, because because humans are innately attracted to those smells, to pheromones yeah. and to smells that aren't necessarily pleasant you kind of have an undertone and that actually leads me into this other part that's really kind of gross but um so as you've a lot of you have probably heard you've heard like musk in fragrance um Mm -hmm. but and it's pretty like a potent um a, a potent scent and um it actually is a reddish brown substance secreted by male musk deer isn't that so weird yeah it reminds um, me of dogs sniffing each other's butts like totally they, they like yeah. it yeah just let them do it and but since it like today you would have to like kill an endangered animal it's not really used in perfume today but um again they like try to mimic these versions and they do it synthetically um mm-hmm. so you know um, so what you're saying is all perfumers are like kind of crazy a little bit no i mean i personally don't have any perfumes in my line that like use these scents um but i just think it's like fascinating that at like one time like i I kind of like wish that we could go back and like smell these perfumes and you know know. um Mm -hmm. and the original 
makers i don't know if any of you already know this but the egyptians are some of the first to have ever created perfume um i actually i went to the titanic exhibit and there was um there was a perfumer whose little portfolio suitcase was there it was found at the bottom of the ocean in the wreckage and i think there were three or four vials over 100 years old and it said that when the divers found it and opened it up you could still smell it oh that is so cool (laughs) i know and i didn't know you when i saw it you know i would have called you immediately but it's pretty morbid some of the the origins but but it is nice that they're kind of synthetically mimicking that because you don't want to be going after endangered animals or animals at all we both have cruelty free companies so it's not something yeah so i mean i guess me sharing this information isn't necessarily like (laughs) (laughs) saying like hey this is cool but (laughs) um but it's in but it's part of how something was made and it's really interesting to think that people went for those ideas and they became popular yeah and then throughout that process people had no idea what they were smelling (laughs) yeah there was this lovely um, there was this number it's yeah the origin of perfume goes back to the egyptians um and they archaeologists have uncovered a perfume factory which dates to 2000 bc um Mm -hmm. And I thought this was interesting because I'm always fascinated in finding out like what were some of the most popular scents that were used in perfume um, yeah. back then um, and if they're similar now or not. And like, you know, culturally, did people want to smell the same then as they do now? But I, I actually don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the some there's like some um, essences that are like tried and true, like um, they found in this perfume factory, lavender and um like rosemary and like you'll find that in in perfume today but then they found things like coriander laurel myrtle um yeah and basically uh so the egyptians started it but then the persians they they use it as a form of political status um then the greeks and romans took over perfume for their use as a form of art um and then started producing it in mass and to actually like people started actually using it commercially um but then it wasn't until 1190 that perfume began to be produced commercially in paris and paris is really where perfume just took off and it became like a massive industry um from there but yeah i think that's the only thing i knew about the origins is that Paris is very synonymous with perfume yeah. and the, the popularization of perfume. Yeah. Or little perfumeries where you would go and make your own, you know, you could go in. Well, same with cosmetics. They would make yeah. your own cosmetics and clothing, too, before places like, um, blah, 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 I can't remember his name, but <laughs> the man who basically invented retail as we know it today. Selfridge, thank you. Oh, yes. Places like Selfridges where that was, you know. Instead of having um, clothing that was, um, yeah. you know, like haute couture type things of today, they would have ready to wear, already made stuff on the shelves. I think in Paris it was the same thing. Yes, that was, exactly. That was where perfume I mean, perfumers in Paris originally were kind of like, I mean, yeah, you would go in and they would design it specifically for you and it was pretty much mm-hmm. used by you know royalty or the rich or um and a lot of times it was custom made um it wasn't till later that it was really like 
commercially produced. Um, but what's cool is that perfume and the uses of perfume kind of leads me into um, my next topic. Um, well, please and- continue. I'm curious. We don't tell each other what our topics are, by the way. So yeah, I'm surprised. And I I'm like wondering if so I, much. if I should if I should share just a little bit before I before I go on, but um, I want it from no. your heart. You tell me what no. you're feeling. I was gonna tell you guys a little bit about like the different types of perfumes, um, because a lot of people just think like, I mean, a lot of people know this, but a lot of people don't know that there's like actual different concentrations of perfumes, and depending on the concentration, is kind of the format of the perfume and its strength um right like a um an eau toilette or yes, something or yeah yeah which i see that only has i don't know if many people know this but it's only like 15 percent concentration so you mm-hmm. take you know 15 percent um pure fragrance and mix it into you know ethanol or water or a combination of both um but it's de parfum which has like a, a composition of up to 40 percent um and that's where you're going to get your your most potent um your most potent fragrances that will last the longest but you know today they're they're kind of produced um in a more complicated method whereas mm-hmm. like um with more like handmade perfumers you're going to get some pretty simplistic blends and more natural ways of making it um a lot of perfumers will use only um natural plant essences um which is great um i think that's great but to get more complex um fragrances sometimes you need to use synthetics and Mm -hmm. some people you know have their opinions about using synthetics on their skin and everyone one is entitled to that um but you'll get a little bit more complexity um in a fragrance if you yeah on that note too i mean fragrance oils are well anything that either you or i would use or i mean that any sane person would use would be skin safe so oh yeah even when you're using something synthetic it's at such a low concentration yeah like you think of it as using a low concentration and then putting say a drop of it on your skin yeah um same with skincare products like if i use anything synthetic especially preservatives you know because in yeah. skincare products you have to use preservatives you use such a small percentage so it's skin safe to begin with but the concentration you're using is so minimal it's kind of like having arsenic and apple juice you know right it naturally occurs yeah. in apple juice but it's not enough to kill you it's not you yeah. know it's not going to be harmful at all <laughs> so i do hear a lot of I, well i've heard a lot there's a lot of flack about natural perfumes and how they suck yeah, because it's hard to make something all natural, especially scent wise. That's good and that appeals to a lot of people. So not a lot of people well, do it. The pure plant essences. There's a very limited number that are actual pure plant that you can derive a pure plant essence. Those are things like orange mm. and lemon and um, rosemary and ab- rose absolute, lavender. I mean, there mm. is a handful of of essences that you can use. Um, but I mean, if you do the math, if there are tons of natural perfumers out there creating, you're probably going to, a lot of you are going to have the same, um, mm. you know, formulas. And you'll right. find, you'll find this, you know, really not very unique smelling perfume. Not, I'm not saying that I don't love just like a pretty basic, like lavender vanilla, you know, mm-hmm. like that's great and everything. But, um, you know, I enjoy as a perfumer really like, designing more complex fragrance and Mm. 
with that you kind of need like a whole what what we would call in the perfume world like an organ there's like a perfume organ there's an actual literal like you have like a whole like um wall of your plant of your fragrant essences and they're all like bottled and so like um you can even look that up there's they're called like a perfume organ and it's like basically any perfumers like just wet dream (laughs) um and i actually have one i didn't have a wet dream but i have a perfume organ Uh, and well let's um, put that on the blog and also in my face because i would like to see it Um. (laughs) so if you like imagine a piano and you imagine or like an organ and you like just have rows of essences and like yeah it's pretty awesome but um, i have to stop you real quick and tell you that um i tried to make you watch the movie perfume Oh, which is I did watch on, it, but I just didn't get to the end because I fell asleep. Well, the end is the best part. But I, um, I believe there's a scene, or there's several scenes in his workshop. Dustin Hoffman plays the perfumist. Perfumer? Yeah. Perfume, is perfumist a thing? So it's, Can you just say that or yeah. no? I've heard of it, but I don't have a problem with that. No. I like perfumer. I'm going to do that. Yeah. He's a perfumer, and he was an expert one in this in this story. And he, I believe had the perfume organ as you call it in his workshop his workshop was amazing it was like just this amazing apothecary with yeah. but a lot of it was just the the notes of perfume i don't know what yes. you call that you know what i mean yeah um like the undertones and the top notes i don't know what the terminology well but. yeah there's there's usually a base a middle and a top um yes. i mean you could have 10 different like mm-hmm. essences in a fragrance but commonly you'll see like a the base notes the middle notes and the top notes the base mm-hmm. notes are something that is like the usually the highest concentration of your fragrance mm-hmm. um and it's something that lasts the longest it's something that once the perfume starts to burn off or like fade away you'll still get some of the the base notes and usually people mm-hmm. use things like um like more woody or earthy or even like rich um like gourmands as their mm. as their bases um so like amber and cedar and sandalwood and even vanilla can be used as a base um but then you'll get into your um your middle notes which is kind of something that has like some bo- add some body to a fragrance and it typically lasts like pretty long within the fragrance um definitely longer than the top notes yeah and and so making we would call that an anchor a, a yeah. scent anchor like there the base go. note would be an anchor scent and then you would add something else on top of it because because it yeah. fades differently as it cures yeah um, exactly but that's some that's so interesting to learn because people don't really understand the difference between a lot of people don't understand between cheap perfume and expensive perfume and that's yeah. one of the things in life that i urge you to splurge on because there really is such a difference just in quality how it's made the ingredients but just the way it works with your skin chemistry is so different yeah Um, that's a big thing it's gonna smell kind of different on someone else it does i think people like are surprised sometimes Mm -hmm. when they smell you know like a handmade perfume versus a commercially Mm -hmm. produced perfume um because they don't smell always smell the same not to mention that like you know you know mass-produced commercially made perfume is like they're all copying each other and they're going with trend Mm -hmm. and they're going off of um i don't know just they're not really trying to be necessarily super unique they're trying to appeal to a mass audience Um, right they're trying to fall within their brand guidelines yeah yeah that like acts or something you know know, exactly what a teenage boy would want you know so you'll find a lot 
stranger perfume if you go oh, with something handy. See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And loop ending. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Um, no, that's really, I actually kind of forgot how interesting perfume is. And yeah. honestly, watching the movie Perfume, which is, again, based on the Suskin novel, so fucking good. Um, it's all about, I thought it would be a super girly movie because it's called Perfume, but it's about exactly oh, it what was, you're talking about. Yeah. It's yeah. about the base notes and the middle notes and the top notes. And then it's also about how you would source those ingredients. Yeah. Um, and the idea is, well, in the movie at least, is kind of like the pheromone level, what you're talking about, where he, um, this aspiring perfumer would yeah. find beautiful girls and try to capture their scent and make the ultimate Ugh, perfume. So creepy. By but using their scent. Yeah. <laughs> and it, well, yeah, you don't, I don't think that's how you make perfume, but I don't know. I don't know what you do. That's not what you do. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> my trade secret. <laughs> Just a little, little secret ingredient. You've got to put that in a the safe like Coca-Cola. Yeah. This leads me into my next topic, um, which I'll get in more depth. But I first just want to say the reason why that it correlates is because um, it's about Victorian mourning etiquette and oh, photography and, and jewelry. Um, you guys, this is why she's my best friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why why is is perfume relating to that but there's just one little snippet about that but um i guess i guess this is sort of relating and unrelating but like victorian jewelry i'm always fascinated by and mm -hmm. um there was a particular kind of um uh i guess jewelry piece that was made that was called a nosegay and it actually was like a little like kind of um filigree locket that would contain like um a little little like piece of fabric that had um perfume basically on it and you would wear it around your that. neck yeah you I would wear it that. around your neck and like as you guys might know there was a lot of um issues with hygiene in the victorian era there was a lot of really <laughs> yeah issues with bathing yep. issues with mm -hmm. um death um is a is a mm -hmm. very big theme in victorian era um history and you know people were attending um burials a lot and you know a nosegay not only would like be something that could cover up the scent of something um not smelling so great but um it could also be said to like uplift the spirits so you know if you were mourning the death of a loved one it was something that you could you know maybe even um commemorate them through so if it was like a, a you could put some of their perfume on on the necklace or um, or cologne or you could um yeah i just thought that was really interesting i um, never knew i know a lot of things about the victorian era i didn't know that that's really that's touching it kind of yeah. reminds me of putting you know hair in a locket yes which is another thing they would have done you know you would have commemorate yeah. somebody by putting you know a picture in a locket or even a, mm -hmm. a bit of hair um yeah. teeth was common which is kind of creepy mm -hmm. um and there were also things called lacrimosas or tear catchers. I know about those. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's rumor that they were actually used to catch the tears of the morning, but um, there's debate of whether they, people actually used them for that. And they, they were more just like fancy perfume bottle necklaces. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you make I would those like to, now, don't you? 
Um, yeah. Or you did? I mean, I, yeah. They contain perfume inside of them. So technically you couldn't call them a lacrimosa unless you're going to put your tears in there, but. You know. I'll put my tears in there. We can sell yeah. it. <laughs> if you want to get technical. I first heard of lacrimosa because there's um, a Regina Spector song called Lacrimosa, but I didn't oh. really know what it was until you, you were like, hey, look at this thing I'm making. What's that? And you told me and it all yeah. clicked. Yeah. Because of course you would know that. Yeah. So I'm just always been like fascinated by Vic- every anything Victorian morning. Um, you know, the Victorians were known for their elaborate commemorations, their elaborate gravestones. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. you see some of the, you know, all the cemeteries that we like know and love probably have a lot to owe to the Victorian era. Another thing that I've always I've always thought was just like fascinating, and I don't know, I'm, I already know you know about this, but um, was Victorian morning photography and oh. post-mortem photography. One of um, my most favorite, well, not favorite, but most fascinating it's one of my I've ever come across. Favorite. It, yeah. it is one of my favorite. I think that mm-hmm. it's actually pretty beautiful and like it would be so taboo today, but mm. you know. I think that's what it is. It's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking, and when you first see these images, you're like, it's almost like you want to be offended or insulted, but, you know, to the Victorians, it was like, you know, a lot of people couldn't afford to have their picture picture taken Mm -hmm. in their, when they were living, you know, so a lot of times, like, the only picture that would have been um, available to a family member, to a mother, to a father, especially because there were so many children dying in the Victorian era, I mean, they could Mm -hmm. only afford to have their picture taken at death, and, Mm -hmm. like... You know, it's incredibly sad, but, you know, can you imagine, I don't know, could you imagine us doing that today? I don't know. I guess we don't need to because we take selfies constantly. I mean, we have everything documented. Right. People <laughs> but, are taking selfies with people in caskets too, which is yeah. just crazy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my, how things yeah. have changed. But yeah. it really, I think what creeps me out the most about postmortem photography is that to this day, it's difficult to tell if it if yes. they're postmortem or not you have to yeah. look for certain signs i don't mean to steal your story Maybe no i want you yeah but please elaborate. But there um there are certain signs you have to look for like um someone could look because they would pose these people they would have you know metal rods to lift their heads up and yeah. and you know do certain things to make them look alive and you're holding hands with your spouse and yeah. like just normal yeah. day and they would pop their eyes open and stuff so you would have to look for um like hands that looked like they were mangled a little bit. I know that that's yeah. one of the telltale signs. Yeah. Um, or like, like color. I mean, it's black and white, but to see the coloring difference, the gradient of the gray on the hands being a little yeah. bit different or just sort of a claw shaped, you know, hand. Um, so that was something that, so there's still images I come across on eBay all the time, which I'm sure you do the same thing where yes. you rifle through eBay for postmortem yes. photography because we're best friends. Um, and I do that too. And, and people will sell these and they don't know if if it's postmortem or not. And you really have to. So you're looking at a picture of a cute little baby and then you're yeah. like, wait a minute. And it's the and, and that's the feeling that to me is a little gut wrenching and strange. Um, and there's also um, one of a retailer for Zulia Vera is called Victoria Mansion in Portland, Maine. And they um, I don't know if they do this every year and it sold out so quickly because so many people are fascinated by this. Um, they're a Victorian era mansion, but they just did an exhibit, I think over a weekend of, um, postmortem photography, which I thought was amazing because it's, you know, a mainstream place open to the public showing postmortem photography in a beautiful way. I mean, I think if you, 
if you're into the Victorian era, I mean, death kind of goes hand in hand mm-hmm. um, with that era just because of so much like epidemic, disease, war. I mean, like there's a lot of loss of life. And, mm-hmm. you know, because there was so much loss of life, I mean, it was a huge lucrative industry, you know, right? casket makers, undertakers, um, you name it. Um, clothiers of mourning attire which i mean people mourning during the victorian era i mean they were dressed in all black head to toe for weeks at a time yeah like you know it was like i love that tradition so much when you're in mourning and you wear black for a time yeah and i wondered too if do you know about um like queen victoria i know that the reason people traditionally wear white wedding dresses i believe it's because she wore a white wedding dress when nobody else really did so she kind of started that trend but i know that she was in mourning for a long period of her life yes so i always wonder i've never looked into it and maybe you know but i always wondered if her white dress sort of was the authority and and um made it popular for brides to wear white if when she went into mourning for a long period of time if everybody else kind of i fell believe into the so same I believe there's there's some correlation between that i think um, so yeah i've always i can't remember I, I believe she had a few children die throughout her life i'm pretty sure and she also had you know the hu- her husband die or right. is that what you know so her, i believe her husband died and she had some sort of suitor or it was yeah or what maybe it was the suitor the oh i can't even think of the name the opposite of a mistress a male mistress <laughs> and i'm just looking at this <laughs> fact here when i said that people were wearing full morning attire for weeks it was actually expected for 2 years what i didn't yeah, know two years yeah okay um, guys that's a little that's yeah. a little too sad that's too long what do you think yeah i don't know if like do you think that the the victorians like just really got off on that or like (laughs) i think it was a big sign of respect of like you this is it was very set it's just something so romantic about it at the same time i know i I really i love traditions we folks will certainly go into my love for the history of the british monarchy but so much of why i love that is the tradition and I mean, everything just is so symbolic and it's just, this is what you do and this is the way you do it yeah. and this is why. And if you want to show respect and be part of this, then you do it too. But if there's yeah. just something so beautiful in community about that. If yeah. you see something and you immediately know she's wearing black, that's what this means. And you yeah. immediately just know I mean, it almost, yeah, it's like the sense of community around it yeah. where, I mean, I would guess that you, I don't know, get some sort of support or respect yeah. or, you know it was Um, just nice or like you take your hats off when you go inside sign of respect another fact about death during the victorian era um you know the victorians tended to have a lot of children because it was common for a lot of children to not even live till their fifth birthday (sighs) can you imagine imagine? (laughs) (laughs) it's really what a sad time it was just a really sad time and it's so strange how we have those those little errors in our history were just that brief period of time was so fucking sad and then the 20s yeah. ooh, so much fun but it's like right afterwards and it's just you have these visuals of what these errors were like and the victorians stood out so much for that reason it was just a, it was a hard time yeah it was a hard time but it's the the morning customs they had i just think were so fascinating because they didn't really exist before or after it 
You know? I mean, and they just really signify like the whole time period of like everything was so elaborate and everything was so ornate and nothing was really left <laughs> to be simplified, like even just in design right. from houses to attire to jewelry. I mean, everything was just like so grand and so much mm-hmm. detail put into everything. Um, like I would still love to own a Victorian house so much, even if it's falling apart. Fix it oh right yeah up. i mean i would say that would be even better <laughs> yeah no i really there's um there's quite a few stores here that have old doorknobs and glass panels and just bits and bobs from victorian homes and it's like oh god i just want to go in there and breathe it in <laughs> it's just yeah do you ever do that do you go to antique stores and you're just oh it just feels so good in here yeah it does i feel right weird? at home yeah i used to get really um Whenever I'd go to antique stores, I would get nostalgic to a point where I'd almost get a little depressed. Yeah. Like, I'd just be so in love with what I was seeing and be like... You just, like, wish that you lived amongst the time period in which they were actually, like, being Mm -hmm. used commonly. Like, it's just kind of, like, sad. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I was born in the wrong era. It's overwhelming to to have such a connection to the past and to be surrounded by those things. Yeah. And see them just not being taken care of, sold for really cheap and just so much and even a victorian house it's the same thing where you put your life and your soul and all your money into it and no one would even really appreciate it yeah or or want it afterwards i think i think there's like a resurgence of people who appreciate those things now but like there's definitely a time period where like i mean it's probably still happening but like neighborhoods were just being like completely demolished full of victorians Mm -hmm. because they're making way for new developments my heart dropped right it's true don't you get so sad when things are just bulldozed over yeah they're one of my all-time favorite places which isn't victorian it's more edwardian but whatever um the elms mansion in newport rhode island which i think a lot of people know what i'm talking about it's very famous there's the breakers probably the most famous we'll do an episode about it because it's one of my favorites um but the elms is very close by i believe on bellevue ave and um that what it had a scheduled date for a wrecking ball and it's one oh. of my all-time favorite places. Um, the Berwins lived there. They didn't have children. They were just there alone. Um, but so all the furniture in there is not the original furniture because they basically just, they were actually able to, once the wrecking ball was stopped, they were able to buy back some pieces from people that had bought it or they donated it back, Yeah, you know, because they knew it would be a museum. Um, but it's like going into that place, I think of it every time. Like that's, you know, like my... Um, my Elizabeth Wharton Drexel painting with she's got kind of an orange yeah, dress. Yeah. That is a replica of um it's in the oh, ballroom of the Elms. Amazing. So it's like all these amazing things like and I just the the stories when you walk through this place it's just they grip me so much and some people would think it's the most boring thing in the world. I but love it's like it. I feel and it like it's been gone it, 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 throughout history like there's been such an importance placed on tradition and oral tradition and and preserving history and like i it just baffles me that anybody would think i mean i guess that's why we have historically designated you know buildings and properties and you're not allowed to touch them but like god i think that's why we have historically inspired companies too because we're both just so in love with that time period and the way that things were done and it's really hard to look around and see absolutely nothing that resembles it nowadays yeah and you just want to build that world back up and and that's why I love, maybe you do too, because with perfume, it kind of reminded me of old recipes. Yes. I love finding old recipes because you can make it. The, I mean, obviously, it's going to taste different. Yeah. But you can make the same thing that was made I mean, made I, I haven't been able to, to 
procure any male deer musk or um, whale no. vomit. But I mean, it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a cat behind you that I'm sure vomits. <laughs> I won't touch. You the try cat. to substitute. No. <laughs> no, we we like to stay cruelty free. Yeah. I mean, that's actually really important to me. Yeah. But it's with that being said it is so interesting the origins of some of these things and just how it all comes about but the victorian era in particular if you love the victorian area area (laughs) you should be our friend because we appreciate you but some people just don't care it means so much to me i know it does i know that's how i feel about it like that's my life but yeah it's my whole life that was interesting as hell. Is that all you wanted to say about that? I don't want to cut you oh, off. Oh, I think that's about it. I mean, okay. I'm, I could go on for days, but that... We like our stories. We hope you like our stories. Yeah. If you have ideas for stories, for stories. you should oh, tell us. Oh, please email right? any story ideas to, to beautifulstrangepodcast at gmail. Yeah. yeah. I forgot what our email was. Beautifulstrangepodcast. So yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram at beautiful strange podcast wouldn't you like to do that yeah yeah i bet you would yeah but we'll be sharing you know the photos and the videos and all the stuff we talk about because i don't know i really like this stuff and i want to find all the resources i can to give me information on it so we'll be talking about some interesting stuff and if you are an enthusiast and you want to be on our podcast hit us up (sighs) yes yeah if you have if you have something topic or brand we'd love to hear from you even if you have you know what even if you have a story like some sort of story like my grandmother yada yada in the yada yadas with the yada yada we want to hear about your grandmother yeah email us about your grandmother if she's really pretty or she's not just send us a picture we want to see her yeah we just like old things but you should really if you have a story we could read it right yeah we could read your story. Yeah. That would be nice. Anything just like strange, beautiful mm-hmm. and strange, historical, creepy, paranormal. Paranormal, yes. Oh, we both love paranormal things. Yeah. We were just talking about psychics. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I think Anna has some strange little witchy power, though. A I little do. bit. It's just she's, like a little... She's a little, right about everything. A little dash. It's a little dash of witch. It's a dash, but it's always... But it's prevalent, and it, it always... It seems crazy at the time, and then all of a sudden I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. She knew exactly what she was talking about. Ye- You're like a godmother. That's kind of true. Can I be Viv's godmama? <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't think she has one. Am I, at this point in my life, entitled to, t- <laughs> Give that away. to be able to make that decision? Um, yeah. You can be half of Viv's yeah. godmother. <laughs> I go half seats. <laughs> You go halfsies on Viv's I'm her psychic. I'm Hood. her psychic and intuitive. You're her fairy um, guide. psychic godmother. Yeah. I'll mm-hmm. just I'll mother <laughs> her from three thousand miles away with my psychic intuition, and I'll just like you'll be her put legal it out there. spirit guide. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anna got new teacups by the way, and they're gorgeous. Mm. And she's drinking out of one. Yeah. And I just have a Snapple. I don't feel as cool. Yeah. But we. Ooh, wait. Can we tell our dish story really quickly? Yes. Because it kind of. Yeah. So um, Anna was asking me to help her pick out new dishes. And I just did some random Googling because she knows I like her style and I see eye to eye with her. And so I Googled some dishes just randomly and found her some. And she said, these are the ones I already have. Yeah. That's weird. And then so I Googled some more dishes and said, what about these? And didn't you say like 
that's the one I was just... And I said, oh, and it has 42 pieces. Yeah. And she went, I was just looking at that and telling my husband, oh my God, it has 42 pieces. <laughs> Motherfuckers. So there should be just, a lot of swearing so in this podcast. Have, That's why I just had to like... I know. We can't censor ourselves, you guys. Yeah. We're very professional people. You kind of just like led me into a, a little tiny bit of a topic that I want you to talk about before we go, because I think it's relevant for okay. episode number one. And I want you to tell everybody about Folia Do and why that's relevant okay. to us like why okay so allison and i like always like to joke that we are twins and we complete Mm -hmm. each other's sentences we pick out the same dishes um it's just like really eerie stuff we have we have eerie similarities and can you just tell me and remind everybody like what folia do means so a folia do is basically when there's like a psychosis in one woman and then it turns about a psychosis in a secondary woman. Yeah. So they're kind of like twin souls, or they basically say, I became absolutely insane over a particular thing. From talking to you, you would grow yeah. insane. It's over kind the of same like stigmata, thing. right? Like, but like psychological yeah, stigmata. Would, right. Yeah. Like sort of influencing each other without even realizing it. Yeah. And suddenly you've, you've both got a case of the whatever. I just thought that was something that I had to bring up because yeah. I wanted it to be mm-hmm. uh, documented in episode number one. And I'm sure everybody has like somebody in the world that they share that with. So, yeah, you know. But does everybody in the world have a girl that would make a folly do perfume for Christmas for them? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's I'd- mine. There's one vial and it belongs to me. <laughs> Yeah. But maybe in the future. It does. It ha- do you remember what you put in it? It I, was violet, right? I do. It has violet and white tea and mm. amber. Which is a lotion that I make. Yeah. Violet, violet white, tea, and white tea, amber. I want to say it has like peony it in it and a little bit of vanilla. It's kind of like, um, I really tried to go with like a vintagey floral scent, but Allison doesn't like floral, but I was like, I'm going to do it anyways. So no, you did it. You got me with that. Yeah, because I was into violet lately, anyway. Yeah, but that worked out. And you have, um, which we just did in our giveaway, a Victorian spirit perfume. Yeah, and I still wear that almost every day, which has vanilla in it. Yeah. Which I'm not. Yeah. Anytime I think vanilla, I think of like Bath and Body Works, You're like baby you know? prostitutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, baby prostitute, and I yeah. don't want to smell like that. Yeah. But that I don't know. There's something about what it's more of a gourmand scent. It, but like gourmand so is more of like a. Sh- sweet kind of like pastry mm. yummy creamy caramelized okay. it's the creaminess yeah yeah it's more right. like a creamy okay. vanilla with like a with like a woody base it's actually called victorian spirit mm. and then it's like woodland mm. sweet cream so it's like woodland sweet cream yeah. i love that yeah no i didn't know how to describe it because it really is like i smelled it and was like this doesn't smell like a sweet baby prostitute no. this actually it's, it's more great. like a sophisticated hooker that's so every day, folks, if you run to me, I'm going to smell like a real sophisticated Which just cover. led me to a topic that we're going to cover, soiled doves. I don't know if you know what soiled doves are. I'm sorry? Are. Soiled doves? No. No, no I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. you about it yet, but we're going to cover that. Yeah, don't tell anybody. We're going to cover we're that next cover time. It. Next time? Speaking of prostitution next in time, the Victorian oh, era. The Strange Beautiful Podcast. Yeah. The, uh, the Beautiful Strange Podcast. <laughs> I said it wrong. Allison's got her Watching podcast voice on. So can you do our outro for us? Well, first I want to say we both vowed not to have a podcast voice. I said, what am I going to turn record on? And we're just going to have a podcast voice. I don't think so. No, but what about your Liza Minnelli voice? 
I've been in a Liza Minnelli mood today. I've been in kind of a show tunes mood today. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I listen to a lot of Beyonce. I cut my bangs yes. a little shorter. I put a lot of eye makeup on. I ate some chocolate she cereal. She looks good, guys and girls. She's looking good today. Yeah. Today. I'm about to go wash it all off, so. And I'm over here with a cold and a hoodie and, yeah. You know, some. You're also looking good Some today. days you're an Allison and some days you're an Anna and it's okay either way. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta pick your poison so, you know the next time we record i think that allison might be wearing pajamas i usually am i like to call it loungewear anna yeah um i've recently come to find out that people call um pajamas that don't look like pajamas loungewear but they still feel like you know pajamas, what? there's so. another name for that and it's called active wear active yeah but that's more like the shiny material yeah like like i don't know lycra and spandex yeah but you're right yeah yeah, see, I don't like the spandex too much, but you can get loungewear to me just means pajamas that are like a black, yeah, solid print. Yeah, you know, like you could leave the house with them and people would be like, "Is that a pajama?" Like some jeggings, you know, because that are those pants or is that they're leggings? The pajamas. Yeah, I wear leggings more times than not. Yeah. I'm I wear and jeans all the time. I well, you're a California girl yeah. and it's always warm, but I have to get creative because in Maine it gets very cold and. Sometimes I'll wear long skirts with pajama pants underneath, but you can get away with that because if you wear tall boots, you can't see the pajama pants. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I went to a makeup job like that once, and I had... (laughs) I had. Well, you couldn't tell, but then the model saw, which she's actually a friend of mine now, and she's really, really fucking cool. So if she's listening, that's Heather. Um, But she... uh, I went to do her makeup, and I just looked totally normal and professional, and then I sat down and crossed my legs. She was like, are you wearing red plaid pajama pants under your skirt? (laughs) yes i am <laughs> and now we're friends and yeah. it's okay that was like 10 years ago yeah. um that's my story yeah. so next time on the beautiful strange podcast thanks we'll be talking about whale sperm what did you say i, I, I think i'm going to talk about soiled doves which soiled you'll doves. find out what am i going to talk about i can't tell you i don't know to be determined yeah to be determined i hope you liked our topics yeah everybody i hope it and again did you want to come listen again you. And I'm sorry for all the F-bombs, but... I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. No, it's just, we're just going to be who we are. We can't, I mean, yeah. we actually recorded and tried to yeah. be really professional, and we laughed so hard we started crying. <laughs> we we did. actually did. And then we said, we can't do this. We just have to be I, We almost said, like, threw in the towel. We almost were like, this isn't going to work. Not going to yeah. happen. But then I had to put my fa- my game face on, and I was like, we're going to do this. Yeah. yeah. We're just going to jump right in and talk to each other. So the good news is, even if you don't stick around, we're probably still going to do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just it's not like we're getting us. paid for this. <laughs> no, this is just free fun time. Yeah. I should be asleep right now. Oh, my gosh. What oh, time is it, your time? It's almost it's it's, after 10. It's 10 p.m. my time. Yeah. It's dinner it's time nice here in california well you should go eat dinner yeah i yeah the time difference is kind of a kicker but it it doesn't matter too much i just you know we did it we have little girls though so we have to work around when they're going to be quiet in our house yeah and mine i heard she (laughs) just got home so oh there you go yeah she's a sweet gal she's so cute she looks like anna but a tiny anna it's very yeah it's it's weird almost she's a mini me she's a mini you she's great um so next time next we'll be time. talking about things that you can't know about until yeah next time next time so you gotta come listen next time oh
oh, we need an outro song. Yeah. We're going to insert that here. Boom. Now gather round while I lose a date on what goes on when it gets late. Along about midnight, the ghosts and banshees get together for a jamboree. There's ghosts with horns and saucer eyes. Some have fangs about this size. Some short and fat, some tall and thin. And some don't even bother to wear